is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where I'm sounding cheerful and I don't know why because... The Seahawks have suffered a very disappointing overtime defeat to the Las Vegas Raiders 40-34 in a game where the positives, we tried to find them. We tried to find them and this is a very difficult one to find positives. There are some, we'll get into them, but Griff, overall this is a negative experience where Seattle lost in a variety of ways that are frustrating and almost recurring. Yeah. Um, it was it was bad to see the run defense just fall apart when last week or two weeks ago against the Bucks, you know, they lost in very specific ways, but then performed at a really high level in other ways. This game, it was just they were bad at everything. And early on, it seemed like they were content to match personnel and formations with the appropriate on paper anyway, personnel formations of their own or rather personal fronts. Um, but then it just slowly, they started being eroded. And then I wonder if, if we'll look back and we'll just see like the return of playing way too much, you know, pass rush oriented fronts um, on early downs. And that's why defenders were getting moved so bad. And if that's true, and I don't know if that's true, but if it's true, it's really alarming that the second you take away one thing in terms of resources devoted to run defense, that everything falls apart. It's like there has to be a threshold level of a certain threshold met of how much attention they're devoting to the run schematically, and then they can defend it well. But it's really frustrating that, you know, you try to twist those knobs that you have, and as soon as you go, you you, you move slightly toward the pass to accommodate Devontae Adams, which Pete talked about in the postgame presser, you fall apart everywhere else. I mean, that's not, you can't be balanced that way. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, bef- before we delve into that tie, just overall misery, what, what, say, mm. say if you're, you know, on a one to 10 scale and 10 is very miserable indeed. Mm, uh, 11. This was 11. a, no, this, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm breaking the scale. I'm, I'm very mad. I'm, I'm mad online right now. Uh, I mean, all right. This was a disheartening regression for sure, especially coming off of what happened in Germany. Uh, and some of the things that we saw, especially in the run game, I mean, 7.1 yards per carry, which obviously is going to be very skewed by the last run of this game, but that's unacceptable. 283 uh, rushing yards, 40 yeah. rushing plays. Yeah, unacceptable through and through. Third down issues, tackling issues. This team, you tweeted it uh, during the game, is just not very good in space, uh, especially when it, it really mattered. There were some plays there that, that could have been made that just weren't uh, consistently. Um, I thought Cody Barton played a pretty decent game. So shout out to him. But uh, yeah. And then offensively, like they scored 34 points, which is great. But also they left quite a few points on the board. Run game was terrible for the most part, aside from a couple, basically the touchdown runs. And that was really it. Um, 
and so yeah you know it was just kind of a deflating game altogether um yeah and it's uh and i mean like even if they won this game i, I think our moods would still be uh not exactly this but pretty similar because of just how poorly this defense played yeah yeah the, the obviously the man of defeat doesn't help and we'll we'll start with the defense because we're defensive aficionados but we will get into the offense we will get into also some of the officiating but the, the defense grip what griff was saying about how they're sort of having to it you know you, they're trying to take away Devonte adams carol says after the game we did some things that we wanted to do in the game plan on defense to try to slow down Devonte, take him kind of real seriously we gave up way too much in the running game. We did not play the run worth a darn. We didn't get that done, as is reflected in the, the data. But, you know, you could you could envision that. That's what makes it so frustrating. You could envision how that was going to be challenging for them because, yeah, they struggled against what Tampa Bay did, where they mixed up their tendencies, but also when they're coming out in 21 personnel, two-back eye formation looks, it caused Seattle schematic difficulties. And obviously with Devontae Adams in the week, Clint Hurt was talking about how, in the lead-up to this game on the Tuesday, he was talking about how they needed to pay attention to where Adams was and how they were wanting to disrupt him in the past game while also trying to honour the run game. And you could see how that was going to play out as a dilemma and a difficult one for them to, uh, to pull off to an extent because they are a bit talent-deficient in some areas. They can't quite get away with stuff, I think, in, in a way that gives them comfort. And this is why this seems to play out. This is why it's reverted. But then Pete was asked as a follow-up if the Adam stuff came at the expense of the run game, just to double-check, because his initial answer, I thought, was actually pretty strong in kind of blaming the game plan, in that we shouldn't have focused so much on Adams. We've got to stop the run first, because if you think about the success they've been having, it's been when they've stopped the run, stopped the run, stopped the run, uh, and then they've got into their past stuff. That's how Pete Carroll has always sort of caught defence, whereas I think this system is a bit more halfway on early downs now at the fangio system which they've transitioned to in 2022 now in that follow-up pete says that's what i'm saying yes somewhat we did a lot of stuff to keep him out of the ball game um remember he had those 40 something targets coming in the last few weeks but then pete mentions that he had probably had 10 or 11 today so it didn't really <laughs> despite them taking him out of the game uh in 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 that they were trying to bracket him a lot they're trying to put a safety over him which obviously removes the defender from the box and it removes that run defender. It makes run fitting slightly more difficult. Despite them doing that, you know, he still had a lot of targets because he's going to get his yards. He's their best player. They'll manufacture yards. He had 11 targets, seven catches for 74 yards, 10.6 average and zero touchdowns. So he didn't go completely off, but he still had a very productive game. Yeah. And and Griff, you, you, you sort of mentioned before we came on air, but, you're sort of thinking they just don't quite have the talent or is, is that right yeah well so the whole idea is when you've got when you have more no no let me let me let me let me restart um no when you're trying to plug more let's, than let's one hole you turn here Griff. yeah i'm, I'm u-turning on that phrasing mm -hmm. and i'm approaching the green light again or i'm approaching the intersection and i have a green light there we go mm. Have you, you looked go. over your shoulder? I checked the mirror's side, everything, but I also have right of ways. So sometimes you just have to hold your breath and hope you make it out okay. Um, the um, 
so when you're trying to plug multiple holes or address multiple issues, like eventually there's going to be a weakness somewhere, a schematic weakness on paper weakness. And the best way to accommodate that, um, that weakness really is to just hope you have a talent advantage to, to overcome that. Just so like, just like Seattle playing cover three for a decade, you could get away with when you have Earl Thomas, because he's a difference maker Then that means you get to put your chips in other baskets because he'll take care of that. Like he erases the disadvantage of continuously being a one high safety. And then you can be versatile in other areas. So if Seattle wants to play, get the double coverage on Adams, whenever they want, that means the overhang slash flat defender slash curl seam defender, whatever the coverage is, the guy to that side has to be a coverage oriented player um, and in order to do that, you have to make the front work so that they're not put in some ridiculous con- run conflict, run pass conflict. Um, and so, okay, you can do that, but then your front might be so soft against the run, you have problems. And I'm wondering if when we watch the tape, will we see that? Will that be at play here? You know, will it just, will the, will the tape be telling us something really clear cut? I hope it does. Um but again, it's really bizarre to me that Puna Ford just can't defend the run if they're not if he's not playing the right front and the right technique all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's it's hard for a lot of guys like Al Woods regresses in that front a little bit too, and he still did some things in the run this game. Um, but like it's it's tough. So it, it's a it's a balancing act, and um, you know it, it's. You know, it, it, this conversation lends itself toward talking about the draft, but we're not obviously there yet. We don't need to be there yet. But yeah, it's uh, you, you can't you can't address all issues all at the same time. It's impossible. Yeah, and and Carol brought up as well. He brought up that what's different about the last two games is that they basically used a fullback. And what's really frustrating is while the Tampa Bay game they got a bit caught out from uh, you know, they didn't expect Tampa Bay to run the two back stuff. The Raiders game, we I was literally saying, we were all saying before the game, hey, this is going to be a tough matchup because the Raiders have an Adams and they are a 21 personnel run game where they found something against Denver where they lent on this powerful run game, this powerful fullback. Seattle knew going into this game they'd have to stop that. They'd have planned for this and they just didn't get it done. So, I mean, that's pretty, pretty worrying and it's not a good sign for the future. Like, Coming into this game, Las Vegas was three and seven. And just circling back to the point about focusing on Adams, even on the replays of some of these passing touchdowns, like the one where Brooks is matching the t- uh, Foster Moreau uh, with inside leverage, he ends up scoring on a corner route. Brooks is in good position, but, you know, well, one, the pass rush didn't get there. That's a different subject. But two, Diggs has come down. He hasn't played like a deep half as though Brooks was expecting him to. After in his press conference, Brooks says, there was a miscommunication on the play. They, they didn't quite get it right. He was expecting someone there. Diggs comes down because Adams has come down. Uh, and he's focusing on Devontae Adams. And I think they had even more uh, bracket-like calls where they just double-covered Adams more than just playing a cloud to him and a zone over the top, uh, cover two to him. So I do think that will show up um, in run and pass as a way of... There was another play where focus on Adams hurt them. Oh, the, the game-icing touchdown run. Josh Jones is playing, I think they're playing tight will six, so cover four to the strength and cover two away. 
And Josh Jones is the backside safety. doesn't really make the tackle on because he could have made the touchdown saving tackle, but he's so focused on Adams to start with because he's playing the deep part. But also it's Devontae Adams. So big, big frustrating. And Ty also, uh, did they have three quarterback hits all in the first few, few uh, plays and then nothing yeah. on Derek Carr? Yeah, I think that was it. There, was it? No, it wasn't at all. And that was a big reason for the third down issues, right? Like they just weren't able to get him off of his spot at all. And he, you know, he's he's better yeah. than people, you know, give him credit for, right? Yeah. Especially with his progressions. Like he's he's a good quarterback. He he can dissect the defense pretty well. And like you give him time, like he's going to carve you up. Yeah. And so yeah. Real quick, Ty, you mentioned third down issues. Yeah. They, the Raiders finished 8 for 14 on third down, so above that kind of magic 50% mark that Seattle's aiming to keep teams below. But they started red hot on third down, yeah. and, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, so, you know, that's really the story there. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how you guys feel, and obviously, you know, we'll see after the tape, but, like, is it just... Is this a personnel issue? That they're not able to get to the quarterback consistently? Like what what's going on? What do you think is happening here? Well, um, I I would say because Griff took too long to answer, I would say that Derek Carr is a pretty good navigator of the pocket in stepping up, uh, kind of honoring his drop distance each time. And I think that hurt the edge rushers impact on the game in terms of, okay, they can set a reliable edge each time, but at a certain point in the interior rush, mm-hmm. it seems like, and again, we will delve into the film, check out the film podcast when it comes out on Thursday audio, but we do it live on a, no, Friday audio, but we do it live on a Thursday night. But I would say it seemed like they had a lot of their, like Brian Monet interior playing because mm-hmm. they're trying to defend the run from four down. But then when you get right. past, you don't get much interior rush. I think they're just missing that kind of explosive three technique kind of player. They don't really have that. Like Puna Ford's quick, right? But he ain't mm-hmm. like kind of a, he's he... not like a first round kind of three tech. And I think that's if we, you know, Griff said about how we can think towards the draft. I think that is kind of what they're, they're missing today at least. And then the other thing is Daryl Taylor is a, a real disappointment this season. No, no, yeah. don't just take my word for it. Like Clint Hurt said, he can be as good as he wants to be in the off season. After I'd said that his talent last year was incredible. Now maybe he's got too light to pass drop. Maybe he's playing hurt. You know, he's been dealing with some stuff. Maybe the change to the new systems impacted him. Maybe he's just suffering a sophomore slump because it's his second season of NFL, actually playing NFL football. Maybe his speed rush has been a bit worked out and he can't do much else. But he, he's he's not even getting passing down opportunities. Bruce Irvin took the bulk of the passing down opportunities. I even saw Boye Maffe in there more than I saw Taylor on the passing downs. Mm-hmm. Taylor was the guy they were counting on to be the dude. He was he was ahead of Nuosu. So it's crazy that Nuosu's actually panned out, which is good, but... Taylor yeah. just hasn't hasn't been there, and so the pass rush on the on the edge is like very one sided in in Nwosu. Irvin can offer a bit, but he's thirty five years old, and he was never like a crazy good rusher. He wasn't like your number one type. That Taylor still has the potential to be, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it's clearly not working out with him at the moment. 
So they're missing that edge rusher as well uh, to complement Nwosu. So I think interior rush and edge, but so everything, but, but Griff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think ultimately Carr, he mitigated a, a lot of what was pressure, what could have been pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Nwosu and Irvin both had a handful of rushes where they were kind of winning at that gray area, the eight to 10 yard area where they're getting the corner on their tackles because their tackles aren't very good coming to this game. That's what further makes the whole thing all the more disappointing. Um, but then Carr's just really good at stepping up and knowing just how much time he has to get the ball off. Um, like he's really good at that. It always has been. Um, it was weird. Like Puna Ford had two really clean pass rush runs. Like honestly, some of the best reps of his career as mm. a three technique pass rusher really early on. And then he was quieted the rest of the, you know, the rest of the game. Um, so yeah, ultimately like, I mean, Al Woods had a couple of bull rushes, but it, it, it wasn't enough. And Carr in general is just a guy that manages pressure really well. Um, I, I feel like, you know, outside of outside of what we talked about with the run defense, um, they kind of have a problem right now with Kobe Bryant, you know, mm-hmm. uh, matching stuff in nickel. And I don't know. Is, is it just, I mean, because, I mean, last week I said, like, he had good coverage on some of the ones that he gave up. But he's just struggling. He, he struggled this game. Maybe he just struggled this game, you know. Uh, Mike Jackson didn't have his best game. Um, mm-hmm. Then he was competitive toward the end, so it's not like he went down without a fight. But there, Devontae yeah. also made that ridiculous catch on him. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. Jackson had a fine game, really. Like yeah, he, he, so. he, you know, he had a nice pass breakup. Like he's that one-on-one catch he gave up was really tight coverage. Devontae's just a joke. Like he's just so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Brian, you're just seeing the ups and downs of a rookie who's playing like probably the hardest position in the defense, uh, especially in the back yeah, seven. By the that's way, um, we saw Trey Brown a little bit at left side. Yeah, I don't that know. was cool. He got rotated out there. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, it was interesting. He got like one series, maybe. I need to see the snap counts. But uh yeah, with Bryant as well, like obviously the pass rush not doing it doesn't help because and he will get picked on a bit, but he got stacked to the top of roots a lot. And I think he may uh-huh. have been asked to do a bit more kind of inside matching that he was less familiar with. I think that is what the tape will uh will reflect. But like I come back to the fact that I mean, I know Pete likes to big up his guys. Like, obviously, that's his his whole thing. He supports his players, but he really did like his praise for Brian in that um, press conference. That they kindly let me. Oh no, in the press conference in Germany, where he he said like, you know, he could he's going to be the, one of the best nickels in the league. Like, he clearly they clearly believe in him in the sense that I think he'll get the job next year. Maybe it'll push him with another vet. But like, yeah. He's here for the long run. I think it's just, yeah, just no, like a learning process, but he definitely yeah, had a tough game. One. Now, in in the interim, though, it is ironic, and I don't. I think it's they should keep sailing on the path that they're on. But it is ironic that when they go into too high, they actually ask their linebackers to get depth, and they're they always end up making plays in too high. And then in cover three, one way they could help Kobe Bryant is if they stack their zones more, but they're just not going to, they're playing. They just want them to hug the running back now. Cause it's, it's mostly in cover three when Bryant's giving a lot yeah, of that stuff. Up. Like even that Quando digs first interception, the uh, like Bryant's beat on the crossover in the middle. Cause it's so hard to play. Like 
it's yeah. just the um the throw was off for some reason. And then the second Diggs interception, Cody Barton's brilliantly matched with depth to your point, Griff, in the too high world. He's brilliantly matched with depth to the, the, the tight end up the seam with inside leverage. Man turned it in, in a beautiful fashion. And so, <laughs> I don't know. that. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to overreact to it, but it does. It, I just get the sense with the defense. Yeah, they got this talent thing, but I also, I don't know if there's like mixed messages, mixed motives. They're not quite on the same page as the defense coaching staff because they've made the same. They've kind of done the same thing that was an issue at the start of the year in, in like you know game plan issues and uh, like. Obviously, yeah. Pete clearly was not happy with the game plan, and, and I he, wonder he chose to fixate on the two back thing, and he that's because he was also asked about it. But that was kind of a big deal that the beat cottoned onto the the full back deal. But I think just as bad was some of the gun runs where, like, you know, they're just going like five, seven yards a carry. Like, you're just like, what are we doing here? And it seems like you know they're always in that four down, too high kind of look. Um, yeah, rough. Sorry, Giff. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. So um, the the one thing that I'm seeing on Twitter, and I'm like literally looking at it on my timeline right now, is why wouldn't you just have Tariq follow Devonte around? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Because because that means playing cover one, and mm-hmm. then you you're losing the chance to play double coverage on him. Mm-hmm. on the perimeter and that also means it can be hard to fit the run out of cover one even though you're gapped out meaning you've got extra guy in the box motion can kill you and when they have a fullback back there there's no way you would ever want to play man coverage with mm-hmm. a fullback in the backfield against under center um and Devonte would beat Tariq he, he would beat Tariq and also it means that yeah he would probably beat Tariq and also it means you'd have to play nickel in areas you wouldn't want to play nickel because you're not going to have you're not going when when you draft cover linebackers you're talking about them playing being good zone match linebackers you're not saying hey go play slot corner on whoever matt collins like you you don't even ask fred warner to play press man on the line of scrimmage against even a scrub slot receiver it's different skill sets they bring value in different areas so Playing cover one is really a situational call in the NFL. There's no way around that. So it's really just not that simple. So um, what happened on the um, the touchdown to Moreau at the end of the game? At the end? Like, well, yeah. the, at the end of regulation. Near the end of regulation, rather. The, are you the, talking about the corner the, route? Yeah, the, the corner one route. Brooks and yeah, Diggs. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I, it's like I said, I think, I think Diggs just fixates on Adams. Mm. But that might have been the call when... Uh, he thought he communicated that to Brooks, but Brooks in his post-game presser said that he gotcha. didn't. Now, I wonder if there's going to be more friction between Brooks and Diggs because we know that they were being well, two and of it the seems biggest, like This is the other frustrating thing. The right, this is the other frustrating thing. Like, this has happened multiple times between the two. Like, like the bust in Tampa Bay, either one of Diggs or Brooks takes that under route across the field eight like <laughs> why are the that this loss there's so many issues which we've seen in other seahawks losses that were present today like this is kind of maybe who the 2022 team is now that we've had what 
what are they, six and five now? 11 yeah, games. Yeah. We've had 11 but... games, but I think, you know, you kind of got to believe that there's only so much that the team can uh, can fix in a season. There's only so much they can do with their current players. Like, I think the other obviously big loss is Jamal Adams just fitting the alley, fitting the mm-hmm. run from depth in two high shells. And then exactly. also, obviously, his blitzing on, on passing downs would have helped as well. Like, to, today, this was the second second game in a row where Seattle's bonus fire zones didn't break the protection scheme. So they need an added wrinkle there because um, they were relying on them quite effectively in, in other weeks. Now, I yeah. suppose a passing down uh, option. So, yeah, the the, the defence, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a long way back from here. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they have each individual player that was on the field today to varying degrees has all had played they've all played very good games and individually they've all had bad games with with the spectrum they're in and they've all had days where they've all played very well together at the same time and all played very poorly together at the same time so they can be anything at any week right now and that's good and bad um coming off of a loss that's inherently kind of a positive optimistic statement because it means well they've done it before they can play well again i believe that but i also believe they could have a repeat of this raiders game i also believe they could kind of have a weird game where it's somewhere in the middle like the bucks game um so i i don't i don't know it's just you just gotta you know i hope the tape reveals some themes where it's like you can at least kind of point to something like okay this is kind of the source of the problem schematically live in something else a little bit and maybe there will be a positive downstream effect i don't know um but it's happened before so it can happen again um yeah that's all i got on the defense oh it is cool i mean cody barton is an all-around linebacker at the moment which is he's been good in coverage for a while now but he was doing things in the run game and for him it's just all about if he can key quickly that means his feet are in a place to take on the contact better and then he leverages the block appropriately and it's fine um, or he straight up doesn't get contacted at all and he's fine so it's that's that is a good sign in and of itself but had a great fourth down stop flying through um on the on the toss play yeah okay so that's the defense Ty, the offense uh was good like as you said at the top of the show that you know they scored 34 points but then also Again, recurring issues. They did weird things. They mm. stalled. Their run game had a uh, 2.8 yards per carry, and they tr- tried uh, 23 rushes for just um, 65 yards. Mm. Um, Gino had 307 yards passing, but it felt like he sort of had to kind of put the team on his back to an, an extent that it actually kind of hurt the overall offense, even though he played well. Mm. Uh, overall, uh, you know, also had a pick, uh, which again, really weird, kind of funky mm. looking thing. Should this be happening then games of the season? Where are you at with it all? Uh, it was a really weird game for the offense. Um, because there were some moments where the passing game and Gino really shined, but there were also some moments where that just left you scratching your head. Um, couple of sequences that really stand out to me, the the I forget at which point in the game. I think it was 27-27 at the time. Maybe I'm wrong. 
Um, and they went, what was it? Screen run screen. And they went screen to DK on third and 11. It was just weird. Just weird play sequencing. Just weird. Oh, that, especially, yeah. That was like especially turtle, in that moment. Like, why did they turn? Yeah. Yeah. Gino was yeah. cooking. Like, just let's go win the game. Yeah. Um, so that really stood out to me. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, there's like a couple of moments, like the last drive, uh, the, the two minute drill drive, where like if DK fully completes that catch on the sideline, like this is like, I think Seahawks probably win this game because it seemed like they were kind of in a rhythm there, but then they get into a third and 10 situation instead of having first and 10 for midfield. Like the vibes are off. Also, you know, protection wasn't really holding up today. Uh, a sick Abraham Lucas against Max Crosby is just kind of unfair. And that showed yeah. up in some of the biggest moments of this game. Um, and some of the biggest reps of this game. And then, yeah, they weren't getting any push <clears throat> with the run game. And, you know, Andrew Billings had to, you know, just wreck this game for the most part for the, for the Raiders, it seemed. And so this, uh, yeah, it was just kind of the perfect storm. And like you said, Maddie, like a lot fell on Gino uh, to the point where it just kind of, you know, it became too much on Gino, right? Like it just, there was just too much on Gino. There was no support from the run game. There was nothing that they could really lean on to, to switch things up here. And so, you know, you, you, you saw that, you know, uh, come back to bite them. Yep. Yeah. And again, we have to look at the, the tape, but if it felt to me like Austin Blythe had a, a difficult game, I'm intrigued yeah. to see if Walker was just missing stuff out there. He's also was seen, um, by some of the reporters, you know, nursing a calf uh, on the sideline. So maybe he's lacking some of his usual explosion. I know football, basically everyone plays hurt, but well, that maybe had an impact. I don't know. Very disappointing day for the run game, though. And uh, yeah, we'll have to look at the tape to see why that happened. Should also say Seattle, again, recurring issue. They go three for nine on third down, uh, 33.3%, lower than that 50% number they're aiming for. Their field goal efficient, uh, their red zone efficiency, sorry, three for five, 60%, which is fine. But, you know, I don't know. That is, it's frustrating because, again, it does feel like they've been here before. But, um, um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then Griff, would you have gone for it a uh, uh, fourth and uh, five, uh, the Las Vegas 49 in overtime with Seattle needing just a field goal? Um, yeah. With how the defense is playing. Yeah, I mean, I was probably. I mean, I, I always believe. I always believe in them to, you know. And I'm sure Pete does. Like, hey, you can get right this drive, you know, because mm-hmm. they've done that before, even in their worst games. And they had a couple of defensive drives like that where they actually did play okay on those drives. So, but you know, the way the way the defense is going and the way Gino was playing, and he was didn't have the perfect game. He, yeah, I don't know if he had a very good game, but he, he gave you your best chance. So. Yeah, I yeah, because like at that point you're just you're having to defend them from a field goal, and they have a pretty good kicker who I know missed like a fifty yeah. plus yarder earlier, but like they, uh, yeah, no, they 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 just uh, I had no faith in them being able to to stop them uh, even from the fourteen uh, to hold them from a field goal, and sure enough, obviously they bust the the big run, but uh, I, yeah, I think just at that point. You know, because even you're you're still at midfield, like there's no guarantee that they're going to get a chance to kick the field goal. So I'd rather give the, you know the defense that chance 
that's as much leash as they get basically yeah um they should trade for max crosby they should and darren waller just saying they should have drafted him yeah should have drafted i love how pete i love how pete um i mean he's right too but i love how pete when he was asked about max crosby during the week he was like he brought up his motor when the Mm. thing which stands out to me about max crosby apart from him uh being white is uh his three cone time was something like ridiculous hold on here we go here we go are you ready are you ready for a ridiculous three cone time 6.89 6.89 seconds at 255 pounds. Now, what's cool about him is he's one of those guys in college who you're like, oh, if he just put on 10, 15 pounds, and, but he actually does put on 10, 15 pounds, and then he doesn't actually lose any speed. He, and he looks, guys, and he still looks slim as hell, right? I mean, yeah. he's 6'5", but like, he looks, you're right, because he was, he was, we are thinking of him as like a Sam kind of candidate when he's actually running that 4-3. Right. Base Sam rush edge and like a like a you know a, a pressure getter rotational guy. Then he but turns he sets, into now he sets the edge and he's like a four three end kind of. He's just superstar. good at everything. Yeah. He's just good at everything. Incredible player. Um. um anyway, and, that's yeah. escaped. So and and also his contract is really easy to get out of if yeah. you're the Raiders. So trade for him. So buy or sell. Yeah, and, so and we'll 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 also take on Darren Waller's contract for them, and we can we'll take Darren off yeah. your hands too. Salary um, relief. So Salary um, relief. yeah, so they can fire McDaniel's, or maybe he's probably um, he's probably kept his job now. But um, yeah, I'd have gone for it on fourth and five as well. Not least because Gino was playing well, he just they just got you know Abe Lucas got beat around the edge, which was I actually thought the tackles did okay, like. I thought the interior had a bit of a tougher game than the tackles. Again, need to rewatch, but just yeah. chip him. Just chip him. Call your best. It's it's five yards. Gino can pass the ball. He was accessing the middle of the uh, field well. Yeah. Goodwin was having a decent game. Uh, what was Goodwin's final stat line? I'm the stat boy. Let me let me yeah, dig that boy. up. Stat boy. Uh, yeah, Goodwin had uh, three catches for 48 yards. Mm-hmm. Metcalf, uh, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 90 yards. Lockett, uh, three receptions, 68 yards off seven targets. Like they were, I, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. So good one. Also had a nice uh, little jet sweep. Got them. Uh, he did. Well, like third, he did. Third and short. So yeah, that was probably one of his catches actually. So oh no, maybe not. Anyway, um, yeah, the 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 offense I think will be fine. But it is more kind of a case of we need to rewatch the what what happened with the the run game. And again, it's unfortunate that you know I think Gino played well, but it's really unfortunate that he couldn't go and win the game. Like, yeah, again, that's an issue. Like, that's an issue. We've been saying it. But we we're big Gino believers. We've you know, we don't need to tell you loyal yeah. listeners. But it would be nice for him to win one in the clutch. Yeah, this was this was a really this was a really good opportunity for him to do that. The offense still hasn't scored in the last two minutes of the game. Like, what's that about? And that's not just Gino; that's everyone. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, Gino's like Gino couldn't block Max Crosby, (laughs) so you know. And then like the the weird fumble where it looked like they were kind (sighs) of stomping on the you know finishing the game stomping on the throat. uh, uh, yeah. You know, finally, it was like, oh, we, here we go. The 
the Seahawks have got it done. And um, well, let me find the situation that happened in. Um, there was like three minutes left. They were down in the red zone. So I hand off to Josh Jacobs. He kind of got bent backwards. And yeah. there was no there was no whistle blown. <clears throat> no, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the, uh, the oh. fumble between Walker and Gino. Oh, that fumble. That fumble. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I the, forgot about so that. 11.54 in the fourth quarter, second and four at Las Vegas 23. And Seattle was... What was the score? I it, think was it was 20, it was tied 27 27 yeah. but it just felt like if Seattle got to that then it would get one dimensional and even even with the Raiders taking over uh, 5:37 left in the in the uh, fourth quarter Seattle leading by 7 the Raiders just went in gun and started passing and I was like I tweeted out this is great they've abandoned the run stuff they're just going pure pass and that's when Adams just made his place and just was a baller and the Raiders put four to a side to try and get him one-on-one i think they had that one one-on-one where he made the great catch against mike jackson and then eventually the raiders got back into the run mode again but i i don't know it's just a, a nightmare I, i've re-watched that um i've re-watched that the, the touchdown play the the game winner i don't know what cody barson is doing yeah because well i i, I watched it i mean I, I was thinking the same thing because it was two back and they're out capped and they get lead strong, right? Yeah, Some there's no like little, there's no wiggle. He just like I don't know. That's weird. Well, he he thinks he's he's like fitting the backside fit. So if he's fitting that gap, would that mean Diggs was in the fit? But then he would have been the half safety. So there's no that's way not, he. That's not how it works, though. Like you should just yeah, fit off the fit. You fit off the fullback. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he. I, it doesn't make sense. The behavior doesn't make sense on that one. Um, he he fits in like one gap, one back, and he's the A right. gap player. Yeah, frustrating. Oh. At that point, shit was so bad, man. Yeah. Well, um, there's still a winnable game at that point, though. So that's, can't succumb to that line of thinking. Um. Anyway. Right. So finally, if that if that's the offense done with, then we've probably missed some things, but. Do you really want to live every traumatic detail? I don't think so. Um, The officiating. Now, now, I am not usually a, oh, aren't the officials evil sort of person because I think Mm. it tends to be what goes around comes around, even though that's not actually true, is it? Sometimes teams do just get hosed. But this officiating was particularly weird. Um. So, firstly, Phil Hines had his um, a downfield penalty where Seattle got a, a fourth down conversion in the in the red zone, and it came back on the lineman downfield where it looked like on the broadcast Haynes engaged his block at the line of scrimmage and then just kept on that block. Now it could be that he peeled off right at the end, but I mean, what do you guys think of that? I, I to me that seemed like a nonsense penalty, but maybe at the end we we didn't see him come off the block. I uh, I didn't see how far down he got, so I don't really know. Yeah, but the point being, if you're blocking someone, you can it's fine. You can go as far downfield if it's just staying right. on the same block. Right. So if he stayed on the block, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if he got off the block. I only saw it the one time on the replay during the game. Griff, mm. did you watch it back at all? Yeah, I mean, 
they're kind of ticky ticky tack calls and you see a lot of those go either direction and you see them missing those calls a lot and mm-hmm. it's just frustrating that they don't call it there when they had called it earlier so and then talking of downfield blocks the mac hollins one that was tight right. i feel it i mean a lot of people said it was only one yard downfield i think they execute the heck out of that play but also i would like to rewatch that and then the yeah. really weird ones so let's deal with it in order of weirdness so firstly that that metcalf catch being overturned i actually thought in real time that was not a catch and then the official signaled catch and then they spent it must have actually been over 10 minutes reviewing the play yeah uh which that's a whole separate subject because them spending 10 minutes doing that meant that um rather than seattle getting first and 10 it would have been at um Seattle's 47 with them marching and they had about just under one minute left to try and go and get a field goal to win the game. It killed the momentum and rhythm of the drive. It brought up third and 10 on Seattle's 35 and it enabled, rather than Seattle being up tempo, enabled the Raiders to call in a play on defense. So I get they wanted to get it right, but if you have to spend over 10 minutes reviewing a catch, how is that indisputable evidence to overturn the on-field call? I've never seen a review that long with the new, you know, indisputable language. Guys, am I am I tripping here or I agree. If it's taken that long, I don't know how with the language saying, you know, indisputable sure. and controvertible language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, like at the end of the day, I did think it was incomplete because the ball like it looked like it was just kind of in between his legs there by the time that he was out of bounds. But when it takes that long, I think you just got to stick with the call on the field. Yeah. I've been and like, then I thought I saw enough on the replay that to overturn it like quickly. I'm kind of surprised that it took that long. Mm. I don't know what you guys saw, but yeah. Uh, and then the the most egregious play, where <laughs> egregious. Uh, was it Al Woods had Josh Jacobs in the tackle? Yeah. He had Josh Jacobs so. in the tackle, and Kobe Bryant, as he does, comes in, punches the ball out. Seattle mm-hmm. gets on the ball. And at what point was that in the game? It was a very long game. Yeah. Yeah, it was three minutes left in the, in they, the game. They said after the fact. That I, I mean, I didn't hear a whistle, but like. Yeah, so th- three, three minutes in the, the fourth quarter, that would have won Seattle the game, basically, because uh, yeah. it, it ended up being that. The Raiders scored on that drive and tied it up 34, uh, 34 again. Mm-hmm. And instead, they said forward progress had been stopped so Pete Carroll couldn't challenge the, the fumble recovery. But there was no whistle until after the ball had been recovered. So I have yeah. no I have no idea yeah. how that makes and even, any sense. That's the shadiest one. Yeah, that's the shadiest. And, and maybe and even he was, maybe his ankle was down, but like... It so wasn't though. It, it wasn't. So wasn't. It wasn't. Not it even wasn't. close. And and to, to even even if like the whistle coming in late is weird, but then forget about that. Like even calling the whistle at all. I mean, blowing the whistle at all there would have been crazy because like he's like he's it's a a, it's yeah he's in the middle of a and there were so tackle. many plays where and Josh Jacobs fell like forward for like three or four more wriggling forward. They were letting him do that. Because he's a, you know, he's that kind of runner. So 
right. a joke. And, and I mean, like, what what were they signaling signaling on the field when they blew the whistle? Finally, were they signaling was he down, or were they signaling forward progress, or did they just decide it was forward progress once Pete tried to challenge? Like, that's what I want to know. Listen, this was the same officiating crew in the Saints game oh. where they ruled a fumble on one and then the following throw they ruled it a catch when i mean you could argue but like they, they might have an calls. issue they might have an issue might be time to uh might be time to give them some you know nfl education i don't know what happens to bad refs <laughs> they go to uh, ref, ref jail yeah, ref yeah. Jail. yeah they, they send them down jail. to the pac-12 that's why the Pac-12 has so many problems. Hmm. They're officiating. So, anyway. anyway, losing so That sucks. wasn't why they lost, but um, it didn't help. Just like two weeks ago, them deciding to wave off offensive pass interference because the ball wasn't thrown that direction uh, didn't help. But anyway. Yeah. Griff, the, uh, the refs were just so drunk, weren't they? They were drunk. Capital mm-hmm. D-R-U-N-J drunk. Um, what was that a thursday night game anyway yeah yeah, yeah. um hey we we need some jokes we need some jokes to brighten the mood no we don't no No, no i just i don't don't want jokes i don't want jokes too sad there's no i can't laugh ever again i want jokes um not only did i well before that uh thank you everyone for listening please do Mm -hmm review the podcast give it five stars download it tell a friend about it tell a family member about it follow the podcast that's Seattle Overland follow me at Matty F Brown follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers follow Griffin at Seamite Spin Move and please like the video if you're watching live please comment and all of that good stuff we appreciate you um uh, Ty do you want to plug any work follow oh yeah Tom. check out yeah, check out the Lockdown Mariners podcast on YouTube, on all your podcast platforms, just like us. Find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, check it out. I agree. And, uh, and if, you subscribe, if you subscribe, the Mariners will sign Trey yeah, Turner. Yeah, subscribe. Right. Guaranteed. 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 And, uh, and, and uh, follow my sub stack, Seahawks on Tape. And uh, Griff, what do you want to plug? Uh, I wanted to plug this joke that I wrote. Oh. Um, what yes. do... What do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Um, I came up with this moments ago. Yeah, I I, I heard. I, I saw you were, um, uh, you were writing did, up some. Did Alexander the there. Great? He was from. Uh, they they ate honey back in those times, right? Did they both yeah, yeah. enjoy? No, they did ambrosia. Oh, well, my voice cracked bad there. Did they drink ambrosia? Mm. Not honey. Well, well, I'm sure. I, do I don't. I don't remember that. In Winnie the Pooh. All right. What do Is Alexander Ambrosia the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Same middle name. What is the opposite of a croissant? Um, what? A happy, I, uncle. Uh, a happy uncle. A pan of chocolate. Get a cross aunt, croissant, a cross <laughs> aunt, mm-hmm. a happy uncle. Really good at radio.